0: Knock of the Dead. Uh, since this show started, I have been waiting to speak to this woman because uh, I, I got to meet her at Blood in the Snow with her film Level 16, which was absolutely incredible. And then she took on the uh, the director role of this film, the Banana Splits movie. Uh, it's a treasure to have you on here. Danishka, how are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Oh, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was great meeting you with Level 16. That was quite an intense film for being a, a, a very tense drama.
1: Yeah, you know, um, it's a pretty dark film, and and I like working in that space. But uh, but as you know, with the films like The Banana Splits and Slumber Party, I also work in the horror comedy space. So uh, yeah, there's a range out there.
0: Exactly. And now, just to get people up to speed, I'm just going to play the trailer for the Banana Splits movie. So that anybody that, you know, the four or five people that haven't seen it will be able to get caught up. Going to the banana splits.
1: <gasps> Sometimes at night, I see the splits riding around in the little cars, laughing and singing. Who's excited to see the banana splits? Yeah!
0: <laughs> Rebecca, I'm canceling the show. What? Hi, kids. Put on your ha- happiest faces. Because the Banana split show is about to begin. Where are the children? Mom, get out of here. Time's almost up. Why are you doing this to me? Dad, please! Let me out! Now the show can go on forever and ever and ever. Come on, you fussy son of a...
1: I just really want your brother's birthday to be perfect.
0: We're gonna have so much fun. Now, the first thing I have to ask, A, how did you get attached to that? And B, whose idea was it to flip genres on that?
1: yeah um it was you know it it was a crazy, crazy project. <laughs> um and it really came out of two places. Um, I guess how I got involved is i just I just made level sixteen and it just uh, was finishing up its um, its release. and I was in l a and I was doing a series of meetings looking for for new partners. and I had a meeting with Josh Van Hoot, who was the um, development executive and the production executive at Sci-fi Channel at that time. And so it was just supposed to be a general meeting, you know, just one of those casuals. Hi, you know, you know, he'd seen Level Sixteen, he'd liked it. And I, I liked Sci-Fi Channel, and so we were just, you know, just sort of a hello, you know, maybe one day we'll work together type meeting. But while we were in the meeting, he said, you know, I actually have this film that I'm trying to get greenlit, and I I think maybe you'd be a really good director. but you know how? What do you think of doing a horror version of the Banana Splits? And it just came out of nowhere. I wasn't prepared at all because I really wasn't expecting to talk about a specific project. So I was just kind of like, uh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But how it had come around was um, Warner Brothers has this um, company called uh, Blue Ribbon. And they own a bunch of IP for a lot of really interesting retro projects, including a lot of the Hanna-Barbera projects and other uh, old projects. And they were looking to take some of those, you know, intellectual properties and turn them into interesting new creative movies. So they were looking for partners and sci-fi was looking for new horror movies. And so Blue Ribbon and sci-fi had met up and were like, well, what about, we do have the banana splits. What about the banana splits? And I know Josh at sci-fi was really excited about that. He was like, yes, let's do a horror version of the banana splits. So then they, um, you know, pulled in some writers and were looking for a director. And then I came on. It was still pretty early days when they really just had an outline uh, of the idea. And uh, it, was, it was a great time to come into the project actually because then I could give um, you know, some, some of my ideas during the story process and you know, do a bit of a, a input creatively in terms of how the story was gonna you know, come together. Um, the first thing I asked for like in the early draft of the outline, the, the lead character was a little girl and you know, she's a bit of an outsider because she's too sensitive and people don't understand her. And, and my first uh, request from the writers said, like, well, what if we did a gender swap um, on the lead on Harley, and you know, we, we made him a little boy because there's something, you know, uh, you know, so interesting about a little boy who doesn't measure up to traditional, you know, masculine concepts of you know how little boys should behave, and so his sort of dreaminess and sensitivity has this extra layer. Of you know social judgment, you know his stepfather doesn't understand him, and his friends at school don't understand him, and he's he's such a makes him I thought a little more interesting character, and luckily they were really into that idea, and 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 they went forward with that idea, and that's how the script came together.
0: That is excellent because yeah, it's an interesting twist to to bring that kids show. Is it from the late 60s, I believe? But uh,
1: Yeah, you know, and it's weird because the show, you know, it's an American show, but it, it actually is probably much better known in the UK where it had quite a big following. Um, it, it seems like a lot of fans from the UK found my version of the banana splits. Some of them really enjoyed it. Some of them did not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's tough when you take someone's, you know, childhood, you know, memories and you, you turn it, uh, you know, you take it creatively in a different direction. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of people really enjoyed
0: it, too. Well, they may have been anticipating something different when they walked in that theater, I'm thinking.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm hoping that when they picked up the box and, you know, it's it's got, you know, one of the splits with a giant bloody axe on the cover that maybe the tone might be uh, you know, <laughs> easy to understand.
0: Don't remember that from the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah,
1: where did that
0: but that is interesting about that property, too, because uh, the name is is fairly like popular. But that theme song, you start humming that music. Everybody seems to know that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, I love the theme song. I mean, it, it's actually, it's, it's my Rainer Tone on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, it's so catchy. It's such an earworm. And we were so lucky because uh, we were able to hire uh, Patrick from Fallout Boy to do our, our soundtrack. And um, he did his own, you know, version of the, the Tra La La song, which is in the end credits, which is, uh, that's him, you know, playing and singing. And I just think it's it's quite a wonderful version.
0: Oh, that is awesome. And it's very interesting, too, because it's one of the first of what they consider the the Five Nights at Freddy's versions of films where you have the animatronics coming to life.
1: Well, you know, and I have I've always wanted to do an animatronic movie because uh, I was a huge fan of the original Westworld, you know, with Yul Brenner, And I just loved all those old 70s animatronic robot cyber, tea, you know, movies. I was like a really big fan of that genre. And so when I when they first approached me about this, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, fun animatronic gags, you know, like, you know, super low budget animatronic gags. It's guys in furry suits with light up eyes and, you know, sparks and it just like, you know, absolutely so much fun. It's it's like a childhood dream to recreate that.
0: So now were there challenges in filming because there's a lot of kids involved in this movie?
1: Yeah, I had to be really, really careful about the kids um, because, you know, there's a lot of really graphic violence in the movie. And I didn't want to, you know, scar and torment any of our child actors. We had a lot of child actors. So, you know, for the big finale scene that takes place in the boiler room, I um, actually shot that over two days. And we shot everything on the stage with um, doubles, like small teens in the background that we shot over their heads. Um, and then when we turned around to shoot the children's reaction, uh, we took everything out that was on the stage, all the bloody corpses and fire and everything <laughs> like that. And I just talked them through it. Uh, you know, I'm like, there's a really scary guy I scream, you know, ah! <laughs> okay, look over here. There's a guy and there's a fire all around him. Ah! <laughs> 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 here comes a big giant elephant. Look out. Ah! you know, so you know, it was um it was like make believe. It was like playing a, a game in the schoolyard, really. And so I think they had a really good time and you know, all their parents were there. I mean, we had some kids in there who were as young as four so oh, wow. yeah there's a couple little ones like most of them are you know 10 to 12 but we had a real range and so you know just really wanted to make sure that, that you know they were getting proper breaks and getting hydrated and that you know we didn't really chain them up to those benches <laughs> <laughs> you know so yeah it's part of part of it is just being sure that you, you behave responsibly.
0: Now, are there any of the child filming stories happening during your film? Or was it fairly good? Because I know working with kids can be challenging, period.
1: You know, I love working with kids. Um, everyone always says don't work with kids and that it's such a, a nightmare and everything. But I've worked with child actors quite a bit. and I've always really enjoyed it. And I think that the reason I enjoy it so much is because they really bring this amazing attitude to set. You know, set can be a really, really stressful place. We work super long hours. We're under a ton of pressure. Um. And kids don't know any of that, you know. They come and they're they're just having such a good time, you know, if you're if you're supportive, and they just love doing it. You know, I shot this feature called H and G, where um, the lead uh, actors were six and eight, and. I just tried to make the whole movie about playtime for them. It, or, you know, every scene was, a, was a, a game, an exercise. They didn't have to learn any lines. I would tell them the lines off screen. You know, we just had a lot of fun. And at the end of that film, you know, they, they wept and they didn't want to leave. And they, they just never wanted it to end. They were having so much fun. And I thought, oh, if only filmmaking could be like that for all of us. <laughs> we could all remember why we, you know, got into it and not, you know, take it so seriously and make it such a difficult place to work.
0: No, that's, that's so true. Yeah. I was going to say, because a lot of your credits I see do involve kids, like well, level 16, I think too, is like they're young teens. Yeah. But, um, the one other question of our, our banana splits with people in those suits, was there challenges with those suits? Because I imagine they can get warm.
1: The suits were tough. Um, they were quite warm and they were also quite itchy. <laughs> so we actually had to, um, put the actors in like a full uh like spandex suit like over their hair and you know everything except their face and so they so that layer would protect them from the the itchiness and of the suit uh and then put them in the suit and it could get quite warm and so we had to again it's just looking after your actors uh you know trying to make sure that you remember to Get them water and get them breaks and, you know, and, you know, make sure that they they feel empowered to tell you that, you know, if if it's too hot and they can't work in those conditions or whatever. So that was
0: something we just had to think about. How long was the filming?
1: Uh, 20 days. And we shot it all in Cape Town in South Africa.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought that was a yeah. production. Thought-
1: yeah, well, good. We did a good job. Uh, you know, the only time you can really tell is uh, in Cape Te- in South Africa, they drive on the other side of the road. So we did have American cars, but we had to kind of hide the, the signs whenever we were doing road work. So you couldn't tell that we were driving on the wrong side of the road. You know, we closed the road and we, we drove on the wrong side of the road. So there are a few spots where you can see if you're looking at, at the markings on the road that were completely on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> but, but otherwise, I think it, it pretty much looks like a general, uh you know, American setting.
0: <laughs> no doubt. Now, I'm going to watch it with a whole new eye looking for the road signs. It's like, oh, there's one. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Um. And how hard was it to get people into the project? Because I I know just with the name Banana Splits, I assume there was like lineups, but then you turn it to a horror.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, horror is a weird thing. Like, people who love horror and know horror understand that there's so much fantastic horror being made these days i mean we stuff with you know really great writing and really great performances and super high production value i mean it's a, it's a wonderful time to be making horror movies um but not everybody understands that so yeah there could be some resistance for people who are like oh i don't do horror but uh i started by um reaching out to people i knew so uh sarah canning uh i reached out to because we'd done two movies together we've done blackfield and level 16 together and she signed up right away. We love working together. Um, and Selena Martin, who'd been in Level 16, uh, came out to be Hootie. So uh, you know, it's like that was the first step. And then was reaching out to people who I wanted to work with but hadn't had a chance to work with before. So like um, Danny Kind, I was a, a big fan of from Winona Herb and from Working Moms, and so reached out to her pretty early. Um, and then just cast it, you know, a wide net to see to find, you know, people who'd be interesting together because it's such an ensemble piece. There's so many interesting characters.
0: That is true. Like it sure, it may focus around Harley, like the little boy, but you know, it is the brother, the the cast, the the, the banana splits, you know. And how mu- how much involvement did you have in that story at the end? Like, th- was there anything you added along the way, or?
1: Well, changing the gender of the, of the little boy from a little girl was probably my main contribution. And then working with the writers, I mean, the writers are, are super great, but working with them to try and make sure that um, Danny Kind's character, the mother character, you know, didn't turn out to be too stereotypical, which which can be, uh, you know, a real issue for women's representation in these roles. But, you know, they were they were great about that. That was uh, something we just collaborated on really easily. Um, and then, you know, just, you know, general notes. I mean, I, I loved the screenplay, so I didn't have to do too much, um, but it's always nice to be involved, to be able to, to you know, give your opinion and, and help shape you know, the pacing and things like that.
0: Um, I just did an interview with uh, George Mahalka about My Bloody Valentine and the different cuts of that film for different ratings. Was there anything about this film that never made it into the final product?
1: You know, this is one of the easier ones. It was such a dream because at the time, fi knew they were gonna put it on quite late. And so they really had no restrictions. Uh, I didn't have to cut any of the violence or the gore. And Blue Ribbon had the same attitude. They said, oh, yeah, we're going to do an R rated horror, you know, like don't hold back. Really? <laughs> so that was, yeah. So that was an absolute pleasure because I didn't have to worry about being censored or, or edited for, for the release. Um, the, the full film, you know, um, was broadcast on sci fi with no cuts at all.
0: Oh, wow. Now, was there anything in the actual script that may have got filmed but didn't make it into the edit?
1: There was. um, There was an earlier prologue um, that was more about the mother's, um, how Harley's father had died. And so there were some flashback scenes to his death that gave us kind of a horrific death sequence earlier in the film, um, in the terms of a a nightmare uh, memory. Um, And then there were some scenes that kind of recalled and related to how Harley's dad had died. And we ended up cutting that for time, you know, um, time and budget, you know, we we got to the point where we were just, uh, the film was just a little too long for our schedule and just a little, there were just a few too many kills. Uh, And you know, you want to do each kill really well. You don't want to do too many and and deliver lame kills. (laughs) you want you know you want the kills that you do to be like fantastic. You have the the time that you need to shoot them properly. So we ended up cutting that subplot, um, which you know in, in a way I felt bad later because I was like, oh, that early nightmare scene about Harley's father gives us like a a horror scene quite early, and now with it gone, the first horror scene comes in actually quite late. Um, you know, there's a lot of character development and and a lot of fun. Uh, And, you know, and you get to, they go to get to the splits, but, you know, the murder
0: really takes quite a while to start. (laughs) You're you're right there. It is a very slow burn horror.
1: Yeah. And it wasn't originally because it had this, you know, original scene with the flashback to Harley's father's being killed. So, so in a way I I do kind of miss it, but I think it was the right thing to do because if we hadn't got the script down to a slightly more manageable level, we wouldn't have had the time to, to really concentrate on things like the, the magic box death. You know, which is like such a great one, and and really required a lot of time.
0: And I wonder if that wouldn't have messed up the pacing too, because it, it has a nice build. And if you had that kill at the beginning, it would have been up and then down and build back up. And so, yeah,
1: yeah, it might have. You know, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I'm happy with how it turned out. You know, you never know. We, we, you know, it's. I'm always nervous when I release a film because you always think, okay are they going to stay around long enough for it to kick in? <laughs> you know, come on, give me a chance. There's great stuff ahead. And, uh, you know, this, it's quite nerve wracking to try and hook an audience early. In, whether you do it with, you know, character or violence or or humor, you know, just to to get them interested. So they'll come along for the ride.
0: So in all of those scenes, was there a favorite you had that when you were shooting, it's like, this is a blast?
1: Uh, the lollipop murder was a lot of fun. <laughs> That was quite hilarious. Um, Richard White uh, played Stevie, and we had a full um, double prosthetic double made of him, of his head and neck and body, uh, that we later also put on the tricycle. And it was really beautifully done, and it looked so much like him. And it was when it was sitting out in the hallway, dead. It was hilarious because you you'd swear it was the actor. It was really gorgeously constructed. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you, Masters FX. That was a a really great dummy.
0: And I also have to ask then, whose idea was it to turn a kid's play zone into a murder maze? Because that was was brilliant. Yeah,
1: no, definitely the writers came up with that. Uh, And I was just mostly excited. I really wanted to shoot murder scene in in a ball pit. So I was like the thing I really wanted to see happen there. I really wanted to get a camera into a ball pit. Uh, I wish we'd done more in the ball pit because it's just so gruesome and horrible.
0: <laughs> I can't look at like Chuck E. Cheese and all these places anymore. I can't look at them the same because after that scene, it's like, Oh, I can see where something here could swing down and, <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: And then when Lily's Wonderland came out, they had a ball pit. And I was like, damn, they have a ball pit. But actually I think our ball pit was bigger. <laughs>
0: So have you found comparisons to things like Willy's Wonderland and the eventual Five Nights of Freddy, if it ever comes out? Like, have people yeah. been comparing it to that?
1: Well, you know, I mean, certainly when it came out, there was a lot of comparison. Um, I've never actually played Five Nights at Freddy, so it wasn't really huge on my radar. I was really thinking about 70s science fiction, you know, things like the original Westworld. Those were my touchstones. And I rewatched a lot of that kind of thing to bring a bit of that Can't Be Five. Uh, I wasn't really thinking about the video game, although I play a lot of video games. But I, I didn't play Five Nights at Freddy's. And then um, it was really weird when the movie came out because the Five Nights at Freddy's fans, uh, like you know, like got obsessed with this like crazy conspiracy theory that we we'd taken a Five Nights at Freddy's script and we just swapped the characters as if that's something you could do and you know i had a bunch of people reach out to me on twitter and be like so did that happen i'm like no and you know a few weeks later did that happen i'm like no i, I was there when we wrote the script like it's, it's an original script <laughs> but they really wanted to believe this somebody thought it was like super you know cool that, that this conspiracy theory would be out there so i don't know i i, I look forward to finally seeing uh, the five nights of freddie's movie uh, when it comes out i enjoyed uh, willie's wonderland i thought it was great
0: oh willie's is great and a movie where nick Cage says not a word that's like brilliant. <laughs>
1: I know. I know. It's, it's uh, super fun. And it's really contained. You know, it's very, very gritty. And uh, ours is a little more uh, children's TV, a little more colorful, it has a, you know, a bit of a larger world. Um, but uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. See,
0: that's where I love the dynamics between the two. Because yeah, when he beats up the animatronics, you got oil flying everywhere, like blood and the whole thing. But yours, like you said, it, it follows the banana splits theme, even from television, <laughs> with the murders. You know. Yeah.
1: And I love all the characters like, uh, you know, it's uh, I hadn't really watched the banana splits as a kid. You know, I'd heard of it and I knew this tune, but I hadn't been a fan. Um, so when I got the job, you know, I got all uh, the tapes from the original show and I watched it all, uh, you know, again and again and, and tried to really absorb all the things that I liked most about the banana splits and bring those into the set design, you know, like the the cuckoo clock and the crazy art and and the, the instruments and, uh, you know, I love Drooper, love everything about Drooper. Um, so it, it was just really neat to bring those costumes. in. And then, of course, we were really, really lucky because it was Warner Brothers and they owned all the IP. They had the original costumes in the vault. So, well, yeah, it was great. So when it was time to make our costumes, they sent us a set of the original costumes so we could duplicate them, uh, which was really great
0: that was actually my next question is how much info did you get on the originals to build yours from? And yeah, if you can't do any less than from the original.
1: Oh, Oh. wonderful. And you know, we had all the access to all the original shows and all the original footage. So, you know, we were able to do like a ton of research. Everybody on the crew was able to watch all the uh, original episodes um, that are just so wacky. I wish we'd had time to do some of the wacky, like, uh, you know, music videos that they used to do where they'd like, Put them all in a in in the banana buggy and go drive over the golden gate bridge for no reason you know? <laughs> yes. or, they, or then i'll go to like an amusement park and wander around and interact with people instead of some like psychedelic music it's totally nonsensical but a lot of fun
0: no i that was the fun thing. I think I remember as a kid, we used to get a, a UHF station. I, sorry. I just, just dated myself there, I guess. <laughs> and it would play on repeat with things like Mr. Ed and stuff like that. But that was the fun part I had with it when I was that young is watching them interact in the amusement park or around on the cars. And I felt you, you did justice to that. Like, cause they're out driving around in the lot in the cars and
1: yeah. Know. Making the banana buggy was a lot of fun. Um, and I really tried to bring some of that psychedelic energy into the set design and the colors. You know, the color palette that I designed was very 70s influenced and we had a lot of yellows and browns and orange. Um, and even though it's set in the current period I wanted to bring uh, like a touch of that palette from, from the 70s into the show. Um, and yeah, it's like we had a lot of like wonderful swirly psychedelic designs in the, in the backdrops of, of the various sets. So that was, uh, and even in the clothes, some of the clothes have some pretty retro vibe to it as
0: well. Now, were there any ideas you pitched that didn't get picked up that you feel mm, may have done some good?
1: I had some more elaborate sequences that we just didn't have time to do. I was going to do this whole big sequence with um, Danny Kind's character wearing a body cam in, the, in Bingo's jungle, lost and wandering around. And that was going to intercut with one of the flashback sequences to the death of her husband. So that mostly got cut because we lost that subplot, but it was going to be a really fun, you know, kind of snorry cam, uh, you know, sequence that would have been a real blast. So we didn't have time for that. Um, What else? Otherwise, I got to do pretty much everything I wanted to do. All my favorite kills are still um, in there. Uh, Got to do, I loved when we light uh, Stevie's tricycle on fire. That was like a really super fun gag.
0: So now, is there any (laughs) talk of a sequel of this?
1: you know, I really hoped we would do a sequel because at the time, you know, Blue Ribbon was really sort of, uh, you know, getting prepped to do a bunch of these kind of remakes inspired by all this cool, uh, you know, material that's in their vaults. So, you know, the hootie, you know, driving away at the end, I was really hoping we'd come back with Selena and do some more stories about uh, the banana splits. I know when we were on set between takes, the DP and I would like be spinning yarns about what, what the sequel could be like. We came up with every kind of crazy uh concept you can imagine but so far nothing's been greenlit um i would love to go back and do the banana splits or see somebody else go back and do more with the banana splits i just think it's such a fun world and that kind of lo-fi campy animatronic will always have a soft you know warm place in my heart
0: (laughs) that might be all because you're no stranger to television either that might be something to turn into an episodic like a show
1: It'd be hilarious to do as an episodic, yeah. No, and we could you know, set it anywhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much, Danishka. um Everybody, stick around because we're going to talk about her new project coming out, uh, Astrid and Lily Save the World. I'm so excited for that one, and uh, I'm going to ask her about a, a slumber party massacre that says TV movie. I'm I'm kind of curious about <laughs> that one, so stick around.